Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good morning. Uh, I am not Mike. Uh, my name is Clay Everett, and uh, I serve as the campus pastor here in Wilmington. And I'm just really excited uh, that we get to be together today. There's a lot of us in the room. And I know a lot watching online, and I'm really excited and expectant for what God is going to do in this time, uh, not through me, but just in us. And so if you have a Bible, I would love to... Um, invite you to open it up or turn it on and go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture just kind of over us uh, to start our time together. And then we're going to come back to this passage, kind of seal up our time together. So y'all doing good out there? Y'all doing, uh, everybody doing summer well? Yeah, anybody got burnt this weekend? Yeah, a few of you. I see, yeah, college students, great. That's awesome. Wear sunscreen, all right, pro tip. Um, sweet. Uh, everybody doing Summer Sabbath well? The podcast? Is that good? Awesome. Sweet. All right. We in Matthew 11 now? All right. I want to read this over us. Um, hey, we're not going to pull this apart right now. I just want you to hear it. I want you to kind of receive it um, as the words that it is. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Church, would you pray with me? Father, we're here. Uh, Many of us are here and we're tired, we're sleepy. Uh, Many of us are here and we're tired and we're distracted. Um, We're thinking about lunch already. I know I am. And God, I just pray that over these next few moments, God, that you would um, allow us just to focus in, God, on what you want to say to us. God, that you would allow us to experience what you want us to experience. God, that you would um, speak not not my words, but but your words, God. Um, Lead us to to Jesus, to the invitation that he puts before us. May we find rest for our souls. That's what we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this summer, y'all, we've been coming around this idea of summer Sabbath, right? And we're talking about ideas like rest and trust and rhythms, things that sound really good in principle, but in practice can be very elusive to find, right? Like they can be made awesome ideas like, yeah, rest, yeah, rhythm, yeah, trust. And then you try to live it out and you're like, this is really, really hard. And my assumption is that uh, in this room for most of us and most of us online, that we have a deep longing for rest. Like we want to feel rested. We want to be restful. And yet most of us also probably struggle to find rhythms that make rest a reality for our lives. Most of us are in this place, we want to be rested, but we don't have have rhythms that help us to find rest. And if that's anywhere true for you or accurate for you, I want to pose a question for you to consider this morning. And the question is this, is what if the rhythms of Jesus became the rhythms of your life? 
What if the rhythms that Jesus lived his life around became your rhythms? What do you think would happen? What do you think might happen to your, your mind and your body and your heart and your soul if the, rhythm, the rhythms of Jesus became your rhythms? What do you think might happen to your relationship to God or your relationship to others or your relationship to yourself? If you took on the rhythms of Jesus in your life, what do you think might happen? And you, you might not have any idea of how to answer that question. You might have no frame to kind of have a vision for that today. But that question poses another question that we can answer today. And it's this, is what were the rhythms of Jesus? What were his rhythms? How did he live his life? And the cool thing is that, man, as, as we follow Jesus, I believe that his rhythms should become our rhythms. So what were the rhythms that Jesus lived his life in? I'm glad you asked the question because the reality is we have a book in front of us, right? The good book, right? We talked about that a series back where we believe that this a book, the Bible is inspired by God. It's, it's breathed out by him. It's, it's what he intends for us to, to read and to listen to and hear. Uh, and we believe it's been sovereignly preserved for us. So today we can actually go, we can go, how did Jesus live his life? What were the rhythms that he lived his life by? It's not a mystery. We can actually see it and read it. And today we're going to look at the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke 5 verse 16 paints a really cool, beautiful picture of the rhythms of Jesus's life. Before we read Luke 5, 16, I want to kind of give you the context. Uh, four verses before this verse kind of paint a picture of the life of Jesus. And they tell us that at a particular time in a particular city, a man came up to Jesus. Not just any man. He was a man who had leprosy, a skin disease, right? A disease that in that time made you an outcast from society, an outcast from community, an outcast from your family. You would go and you would live in a different place and people didn't want to touch you or be anywhere near you. And this man with leprosy comes up to Jesus, it says, and he asks Jesus, would you heal me? So somewhere he had heard that Jesus was a, a man who could heal people. And so he comes up and says, Jesus, heal me. And what does Jesus do? No, you got to stay over there. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus comes up and he, he touches the man. He touches his skin and he heals the man. It's amazing. And Jesus tells them, as soon as he heals them, he says, hey, listen, listen, don't, don't tell anybody what happened. Don't tell anybody I healed you. Just go to the synagogue and, and, and show that you're clean and, and go and worship because now you can go and worship God again. And what do you think the man did? He told everybody, I'm healed. Jesus healed me. Y'all look at me, my skin. It's, it's healed. I got pretty skin again. I'm healed. That's what you would do too, right? If you walk up to Jesus and said, hey, would you heal me of this thing? And he heals you. You go tell everybody. So this man's like just blasting about Jesus. And these reports just continue to go out about Jesus, this man who heals people, right? And the news goes out and people start to gather around Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew actually tells us that Jesus would go uh, into towns and through villages and it would say that all the sick would come out to Jesus and Jesus would heal every single one of them. Like, could you imagine Jesus coming through our city? A lot of sick people in our city right now, right? And Jesus comes through and he leaves and there's just no sick people. Everyone's healed. What would we do? We'd follow after this man named Jesus, right? And so these crowds are coming around Jesus. They're pushing in. They're wanting to hear from him. They're wanting to be touched by him. They're wanting to be healed by him. And the reality is, I think a lot of us are tempted to believe 
uh, that Jesus's life is unrelatable to us. That the life of Jesus and my life, they're just completely unrelatable. But I bet some of us can relate to this, this feeling of everyone wanting something from you. Right? Jesus felt that. Everyone wanted something from Jesus. You ever feel like everyone's waiting on you for what you can do for them? Parents in the room, right? Teachers in the room, people in the room. Right? Anyone ever feel like the work that is in front of you, you don't have enough time to do it? It's just endless, right? I just can't, I can't get it all done. Jesus gets you. Jesus' job was never done. People always wanted more from Jesus. Jesus was in high demand. People wanted to gather around and hear from him and be healed by him. But unlike us, Jesus actually had a full capacity to meet the demand, an eternal supply of wisdom and knowledge, of power and miracles and healing. And yet Luke 5 verse 16 gives us this insight into life and the rhythms of Jesus. And it tells us this, Luke 5, 16. But Jesus, in the midst of all this, all these crowds, all these people, all this work, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, in high demand, endless work in front of him, would oftentimes, it was a rhythm in his life, he would slip away. He would hit a timeout. He would hit the pause button and he would slip away from all the things, all the demands. And where would he go? He would go to the wilderness. I love this, the wilderness. And that just, we all have like a picture in our mind what the wilderness is, right? Other translations of the Bible uh, translate this word to uh, a desolate place. He would go to a desolate place or a, a lonely place or a deserted place. And now some of y'all are like really scared, right? But the actual Greek word here in Luke 5, 16 is the eremos, the eremos. This place, this, this place, this adjective, this place of, of solitude, a place that's lonely, a desolate, uninhabited, quiet place. Right? Jesus would slip away to the, the wilderness, the eremos. Not a specific place, but a place described and characterized by solitude and quiet. And he would slip away to be by himself and to be with God in prayer. If you don't believe me that this was a rhythm in the life of Jesus, this is not the only place where they, Scripture tells us that Jesus would often get away into the quiet. Uh, it goes on. There's a whole lot. I'm going to read you a couple of them. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Anybody get up uh, when it was still dark this morning and see the sunrise? It was really pretty. None of y'all? 11 o'clockers? No? Okay. Well, Jesus did. He got up very early in the morning. Well, it was still dark. And he left the house where he was staying, which was he was staying with all of his like, closest friends. And he went off to a solitary place, the Eremos, where he prayed. Matthew 4, 1, just after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan and Jesus experienced the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and he heard the, the voice of the Father speak identity and approval over him, tells us this, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the Eremos, to be tempted by the devil. And we kind of know that story. Matthew 14, 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, which the crowds, this was the, the, after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus feeds 5,000 people more than that with what, five loaves of bread and two fishes, right? And we, we know that story from like, from like preschool, Sunday school class. 
After that, he dismisses the crowds and he, he goes up onto the mountainside, a specific Aramos, by himself to pray. It says, when evening came, he was there alone. Luke 6, 12 through 13, it says, Jesus went out to a mountainside, a specific Aramos, to pray. And it says, he spent the night, the whole night, praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. So before this big decision in the life of Jesus to bring these 12 closest to him, he went and he got away to the Eremos and he prayed. Finally, John 6, 15 says that Jesus, knowing that they, which was the crowds that follow him, intended to come and make him king by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now, I don't know about you, but if a crowd was coming to make you king of England or queen of England, what would you do? I'd be like, I can tell you my crown size, right? Get it ready for me, you know? I like purple, so let's get a big purple robe. No, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, he just took off. He said, time out, I'm hitting pause, and I'm going away to a quiet place to pray and be by myself. Y'all, we can see kind of throughout the Gospels that the rhythms of Jesus were first and foremost rhythms of time in community. Like Jesus spent a lot of time with people. He had 12 disciples he had more than that. He had 12 that were just close. They did everything together, right? He was always around people, praying with people and healing people and teaching people. He was always correcting his disciples. So if you're close to Jesus, just get ready for that. He was having compassion on the crowds. He was challenging the religious elite of his day. It seems like most of the time we see Jesus in scripture, he was surrounded by people. The rhythms of Jesus were rhythms of time in community for sure, but also in our focus for today, is there were times in silence and solitude. The rhythms of Jesus were time in community with people and then times of silence and solitude alone by himself and alone with God. Jesus was just living life with people all the time, sharing meals, he'd go to parties, he worked with people, he laughed with people, he, he cried with people, he worshiped with people, but Jesus also carved out these specific moments to slip away to the wilderness, to the quiet place, to be by himself and to be with God. And what would he do there? He would spend time in prayer. And the picture that you get and I get automatically the time in prayer is, it's like this, you know, and it's just talking to God. But we see in that Luke 6 that he spent all night in prayer with God. And you have to begin to believe that, that prayer is more than just us talking to God. Primarily, we believe that prayer is being with God. Prayer is about community and communion with God. And so you look at these rhythms of the life of Jesus and he spent time in community with people and then he spent time in community with God, alone, in the quiet, in times of prayer, just being with God, just being with the Father. Now, I know that we all know this, but y'all, we live in a world that is incredibly fast-paced, that's incredibly noisy and incredibly distracting. We have whole industries in our world today that their whole goal is to distract you. Every single one of you have in your pocket or your purse a distraction device. It's called your iPhone, right? It's distracting you right now. Some of you wanna check it because I'm talking about it, right? That's what advertisements do. They, they're distracting you. We live in a world where everything is so fast and loud and distracting. And if we do nothing different, our lives are gonna reflect that culture. Our lives are gonna be busy. 
and noisy and distracted. If we do nothing else, our walks with God will look just like the world, full of busyness and noise and distraction. So the call here is we've got to do something else. We've got to do something that breaks all that's happening around us and in us. And I believe that times and rhythms of silence and solitude, they are not magical, but I believe that they are necessary for us to walk with God, to be who God has called us to be, to have a rhythm in our life that allows rest to be a reality. I believe that these rhythms of silence and solitude is a rhythm and a way of life that God has designed us for and that Jesus modeled for us. John Mark Comer, a pastor and author in Portland, Oregon, defined silence and solitude this way. I think this is super helpful for us. He said that silence and solitude is intentional time in the quiet to be alone with yourself and with God. To be alone with yourself and with God. And y'all, in a super busy, noisy, often chaotic world that we live in, y'all, we need these rhythms of silence and solitude in order to find the rest for our souls that God desperately wants for us. I believe that in order to live our lives and to look more like Jesus, we've got to take on the rhythms of Jesus, including silence and solitude. And so today we could step in and I had this planned out until six o'clock this morning. I'm going to walk you through what it looks like to spend time in silence and solitude. But instead of me doing that, we're going to spend time together right now in silence and solitude. And I know some of you guys in the room are going, oh my gosh, I'm already feeling anxious. But we're going to practice in this space together, silence and solitude. Uh, we've done this already once today. Um, I think it went okay. And I hope it would go okay for us right now. And so I actually just want to lead us through a time. And so if you want to put your Bible to the side, your journal to the side, um, maybe phone to the side, that might be good. If you want to just kind of get comfortable in your seat, and some of y'all are like real comfortable, you're about to go to sleep. Maybe sitting up actually is actually comfortable for your body. Uh, it actually helps you to breathe better when you sit up straight. Good posture. And I want to lead us through three, thing, three things, and I'm running out of time already, but they are to, I want you to breathe. I think sometimes y'all, we go so fast in life Sometimes I'll take a breath and I go, have I been forgetting to breathe this whole time? Right, like I'm just so busy, I just don't take time to breathe, right? We're gonna breathe. Uh, we're gonna feel some things. I don't know what you're gonna feel, but you're gonna feel something when this room goes silent, because this room is not meant to be silent. It's gonna be weird. You're gonna feel something. And then we're gonna bring something. We're gonna bring what we feel um, back to God. And so just in your spot, uh, I invite you right now, we're gonna practice silence and solitude. I'm gonna lead you through it, but I'm gonna to try to leave some space. And so if you wanna close your eyes, you can. If you'd rather leave your eyes open, you can do whichever is totally fine. And I just want you for the next few moments to breathe. And just notice your breathing. That's all I need you to do for a few moments is just breathe and pay attention to your breathing. Breathe in, breathe out. 
we've had a good amount of silence already and just in this posture, uh, staying silent. Uh, you probably felt some things. Maybe you felt some anxieties or some worries. Maybe you started thinking about what's happening later this afternoon or what happened last night. If there's something that you felt, if you felt awkward, I invite you just to, to feel it. And I invite you to focus now on God. Just focus your heart and your mind on God. Just think about him. Just think about the reality that you're with him. He's with you. If your mind wanders, just bring it back and focus on God again. Focus on God. Just focus your heart and your mind on God. time your mind wanders away from him, you just return back and think about God. You say, God, here I am. Jesus, here I am. And then lastly, yeah, some of those feelings came up. Maybe you felt like, I'm bad at this. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe it's anxious thoughts. Just bring those to God for a moment. Just bring them. Just picture yourself holding them in your hands, saying, God, here they are. Here's how I feel. I entrust them to you. I trust you with them. You guys just spent about three minutes um, practicing silence and solitude. You can open your eyes now, unless you're asleep. Uh, you spent about three minutes in silence and solitude, and some of you thought, I could never do that. <laughs> I can't be silent for that long. But what's beautiful about this rhythm and the life of Jesus and the life that I think we're called to is it's simple. It doesn't get much more complex than that of just letting yourself be, letting yourself be, focusing on God, feeling what you feel, bringing it back to God. We can practice silence and solitude in some of the normal rhythms that we have in the life of our church, like your quiet time, right? A lot of y'all spend time with God every day, but I would ask you, how quiet is your quiet time, right? Sometimes we're busy and we're loud and we're noisy in our quiet time. I do this. I come to God, I open my Bible, I try to get something really deep. I journal what I think, I pray real fast about what I need and I go about my day. And what if I just spent some time before just sitting and just going, God, I'm with you. I'm being like Jesus and I'm just gonna be with you. I'm gonna listen to what you wanna say to me through your words in scripture. I wanna journal out what you're doing in my heart. I wanna share how I'm really feeling with you and bring that to you. Right? We can implement this within our quiet time. We can implement this within our prayer time, right? Just as we pray, y'all, prayer is not just simply talking to God. Prayer is primarily about being with God, sitting with God and being with Him and experiencing Him. Y'all, we've got a whole podcast thing we've been doing, hello, that actually leads you kind of through this. And I know it's, it's noise because it's someone talking to you, but it's a noise that's slower than the world and the culture we live in. And it gives you time to think about questions 
gives you time to pray. And I hit pause on the thing. And there's this like really beautiful, like kind of like under noise, you know? And when you hit pause, it's just totally silent. It's re- you freak out. But it's like, just sit there with it. Sit there with the questions. Sit there in that prayer time. You know, we have some ways in which we can implement and weave in silence and solitude into our normal everyday rhythms. We don't have to go be a monk to do this. We don't have to literally go to a mountainside to do this, but we've got a beach right down the road. I think you could go there and do it. But here's the thing is that, y'all, we resist this. We have obstacles in our lives to silence and solitude. And there's three that I wanna kind of point out that I think are helpful, but also leads us into a deeper place of what this looks like in our lives. So three obstacles, three ways in which we resist silence and solitude. Number one is this. We resist it because we are too busy, anybody? Too busy, y'all. We're too busy to sit silent for three minutes, right? I feel that all the time. I got things to do, places to go, right? I've got to be productive. And just sitting in silence is very unproductive. And it's taking up a portion of my day. And we feel too busy. This mantra that I've kind of carried through my life the past five or six years is this, is that when the busier I am, the more I desperately need to get away and be with God. The busier my world gets, the more I need to hit time out, hit pause, I need to go away and just be with God. And it feels so unproductive. There's a thousand things I could be getting done. I'm going to stop. I'm going to be. That's exactly what we see in the life of Jesus. He was busy. He had things to do, people to heal, messages to preach. He had people to save, y'all. And the busyness of his life, the busier Jesus got, the more often he withdrew. The same is true for us. You feel too busy, the busier you get, the more you need to slip away and spend some time with God in the quiet. Number two, the number two obstacle to spending time in silence and solitude is this, is that we don't know how. We don't know how. And guess what? In our culture today, if we don't know how to do something, we ain't gonna do it. If there ain't a YouTube video to tell me how to do it, I ain't even trying, right? Right, college students? I heard y'all laugh. That's what we do. I mean, if we, don't know how to, if we don't know how to be an expert at something, we're like, I'm not even gonna try because I'm just gonna fail. We're so afraid of failure, y'all. But the, the Christian life, it's about learning. It's about practice. It's about training, right? The, the reality is you don't come out of the womb knowing how to walk, right? You learn how to walk. I've got an eight-month-old. He doesn't know how to crawl yet, Right? And the reality is that's the truth is we don't start the Christian life knowing how to live the Christian life. We start the Christian life and we don't know how to do it, but we learn to do it and we practice it and we train over time. That's why our mission at Port City is to reach people and to help them walk with God, right? That's what Mike uses the analogy all the time. It's just a a father, a mother coming along with a child and helping them learn how to walk step by step. They fall down. We don't yell at them. We, We just pick them back up, right? You just learn how to walk. That's what the Christian life is like. And if we want to implement silence and solitude into our life, these places of pause, of quiet, of being alone with God, we just got to start somewhere and practice. It's going to be awkward. Our time in here was probably awkward for some of you. That's okay. doesn't mean you didn't do it well. It just means you're a human being, right? Some of y'all fell asleep. It doesn't mean you're bad at the Christian life. It just means that you're really tired, right? This is the thing. We've got to learn along the way. Number three, the third obstacle that keeps us from doing things like silence and solitude is at the root of it, maybe we're just fearful. We're just afraid. 
I think the reality is in our culture, we don't like silence. Like how long does it take for you to get in your car and turn the radio on or the podcast on? Hopefully it's our podcast, right? But, but how long? How long does it take for you to walk into your home or your apartment or your dorm room, dorm room before you turn the TV on? Not to watch a show, but just for noise. Anybody? So we don't watch TV anymore. We just, we just listen to noise in the background because we don't like silence. Right? Or how long does it take for you to get into a line, waiting in line, before you pull out your distraction device, right? Or to wait in a waiting room before you pull out your phone and scroll on Instagram, right? We don't like to be alone. And I think the reality is not just that we don't like it, it's that we're scared of it. We're actually fearful of what we will find. I think for many of us, the thought of getting alone with ourselves scares us because it's when we are quiet that the, the rats come out, right? It's when we're quiet that the anxious thoughts come up. It's when we're quiet that the struggles begin to surface. The, y'all, the reality is those things are in your life anyways. They're just underneath all of what you're doing. And to step in, to be with yourself, with God, and to recognize, man, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm struggling with this. And we actually get to bring it to God. What a beautiful place. I mean, for some of us in the room, we're at a place where that, you just don't feel like you can do that. You literally don't feel like you can be quiet and alone and deal with the anxious thoughts and the depressed feelings in your life. Hey, as a church, we want to come alongside of you in that. We have a whole team that is committed to care for you, to help you process some of those things. But the truth is, is that we all have those things in our lives. And to allow them to come up to the surface to God is actually a good thing. I believe that for a lot of us in the room, the thought of getting alone with God scares us, right? What is God going to think about me? What's God going to think about my weakness, about my faults, about my failures, about my sin? What's he going to think about me? We've been using this definition of Sabbath all summer, and I want to read it to us just to point out kind of two key phrases that are going to rise up some fear in us, but I want, to, I want to bring them to us so that we can deal with them. This is our definition of Sabbath. It'll be on the screen. We've said that Sabbath is a time set apart to experience rest. Sounds good, right? As we deliberately stop working and trust in God's provision. The invitation of Sabbath is to take a deep breath. That sounds so good as we cease striving and place our, our worries and our cares at the feet of Jesus. The fear is, man, when it's just me, and when I stop working for God and trying to prove myself to God, did my quiet time today, God, when it's just me and I've ceased striving and grasping for approval and grasping for forgiveness, it's just me kind of just opened up to God, What's he going to think about me? I think for a lot of us, it's a fearful thought. But the beauty of the gospel is that by grace, this unearned, undeserved kindness and goodness of God through faith in Jesus, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see your failures and your faults and your struggle. He sees you. He sees you loved and forgiven and approved of. Right, when we come and we just like, all right, God, here I am. God loves you. God approves of you. God forgives you. 
And it's not just God's duty to love you. It's not just his duty to forgive you. It's not just that he has to. It's that he wants to. It's his joy to forgive you a thousand times over. And so the rhythm of Jesus becomes the invitation of Jesus. Matthew 11, let's look at it one more time. This is Jesus's words to us. This is his invitation to you in the room and you online today. This is what Jesus says to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all who are tired and weighed down, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, learn from me, train with me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is the only time in scripture where Jesus describes his heart. This is Jesus saying, this is who I am and how I am. I'm gentle with you. I'm lowly in heart, which means I can relate to you. I'm with you. I'm down here on your level. I've come for you. Y'all, the fear of just being with God, not performing for God or doing your quiet time for God, but getting quiet with God and having time with Him. When we just come as we are with all that we are, and it is His joy to be gentle with us, to love us, to forgive us and meet us right where we are. Silence and solitude provide a space for us to rest. They also teach us how to rest. So let me ask you this in closing. Where is your aremos? Where is your quiet place? Where is it for you that you can get away, hit time out, and just get alone with God? What time, what place, what does that look like for you? And are you willing to go and just be in the quiet with yourself and with your God? To breathe, to feel, to focus on Him to bring all that you are to him. That's the invitation. It's the rhythm of Jesus that's become his invitation to come to him. Would we do it and let God do a work in us? Let's pray together, church. Father God, we are here. And God, we practice silence and solitude today. And we saw the, the rhythm of Jesus of just slipping away to be with you. Not to perform for you or, or to do for you, but just to be with you, God. I know we're scared. I know so many of us are afraid of what we'll find in ourselves. We're afraid of what you will see in us and what you'll think of us. God, I pray that you would relieve that fear with your truth, the truth of the gospel. God, I know that none of us know how to do this super well. I don't either. Teach us and train us. I know we're all busy. God, allow us to carve out time and space to simply be with you let you do in our lives what only you can do. God, I pray that today uh, the rhythm of Jesus would become the invitation of Jesus for us. That as we are, we would come. And we would let you fill us, and forgive us, satisfy us, and sanctify us as we carve out these spaces of quiet. Would you come and do that in our lives? So we ask and pray in Jesus' name.